All right, take your Bibles again, if you would, and let's go back to the book of Ecclesiastes. And we're going to try again to see if we can get through two chapters tonight, chapters 8 and 9. And uh, let's just get started here. Who is as the wise man? And who knoweth the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom maketh his face to shine, and the boldness of his face shall be changed. I counsel thee to keep the king's commandment, and that in regard of the oath of God. Be not hasty to go out of his sight, and stand not in an evil thing, for he doeth whatsoever pleaseth him. Where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say unto him, What doest thou? Whoso keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil thing, and a wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment. So, as we start and continue our search through the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of despair, the book of nothing, the nothingness of nothing, uh, Solomon now asks a question, who is as the wise men? And uh, uh, checked out several different commentaries. You know, commentaries kind of help to make sure you're not way off base. And uh, unfortunately, I couldn't find one that had any, made any sense on this verse. Uh, in fact, one of the commentaries said, nobody really knows what this verse means. Well, let me just ask you a question. Who is the wise man of the book of Ecclesiastes? Uh, Solomon, the preacher. And he's simply saying, who's smart like me? Who is as wise as I am? And then he goes on to talk about the king and how you should treat the king. And... Solomon is just sitting here and saying, listen, a man's wisdom maketh his face to shine. Now, that whole idea of the shining face is a lifted up countenance, confidence when they uh, approach other people. I mean, uh, I think I've told this story many times. They had a problem in one of our, supposedly based on a true story, in one of our nuclear power plants, there was a problem in the cooling system. And, you know, when something like that goes trouble, you've got big problems. And no one could figure it out. And they hired this guy in. And he said, uh, give me a red crayon. And walks through the plant. Says, right there, put an X on that. He said, take it apart. Everything will be fine. And uh, took it apart. Found the problem. Fixed it. Sent him the bill. $10,000. And uh, the head of the company said, could you itemize that bill? He said, sure. Crayon, 50 cents. Balance, knowing where to use the crayon. Uh, I'll tell you, when you know the answer to a hard problem, when you can figure it out, don't you enjoy that? Don't you just hate it when someone else figures it out for you? I mean, you've been sitting there banging your head against the wall trying to find this problem and somebody else just walks in and said, oh, there it is. You know, sometimes you need to do that to make other people feel good. I don't know. But uh, what Solomon is trying to say here is uh, 
Listen, when you have wisdom, when you know the problem, but look at this. It says, and, and the boldness of his face shall be changed. Hey, when you know the answer, guess what? Confidence. When you make a mistake, guess what? It's changed, isn't it? From boldness to shame. And Solomon is saying here, I'm going to give you some counsel. I'm going to give you some direction here. Keep the king's commandment. But keep the king's commandment in regard to the direction, to the promises that you've made to God. Be not hasty to go out of his sight. You know, the king is not always going to do things you agree with. But that's okay. He's the king. Amen? Don't be one of those guys that's immediately leaving because when something goes wrong, who's the king going to first blame? The guy that took off just before the trouble started. Whether you had anything to do or not. That's why he says, don't, don't get up in a hurry and just leave because you're going to get blamed for things. And it says, stand not in an evil thing. For the king doeth whatsoever pleaseth him. Hey, the king is in charge here. And Solomon's talking about his authority. And, and he says, the king has the right to change. You know, this, this would help you sometimes at work as well. You know, there's always somebody that wants to correct the boss. There's always somebody there to tell you everything is being done wrong, isn't there? Uh, be careful where you stand. I mean, somebody even, I think they even came up with a television show, Stupid Bosses or something like that a while back. Uh, how did these guys get promoted to the level of authority that they have? And, and we have all kinds of problems with that, but be careful. They're the boss for a reason. I mean, maybe they bought it. Uh, maybe they blackmailed the big boss to get that position. But you better be careful with authority. You never do right by stepping out of the lines of authority. And that's what Solomon is telling us here. He said, where the word of the king is, there is power. And who can question? Now, Solomon was what we would call an absolute monarch. He did not have a group of counselors that sat around him and told him what to do or a parliament that passed laws for him to approve. He was the judge. He was the legislature. And he was the executive. And by the way, he was also the executioner. Uh, I mean, how many of you remember the story of old Joab? Solomon said, go get him. And Joab, in minutes, was dead. This is the kind of power that the king had. And it is not until modern time that, that we have had 
uh, actual people that have had a say in their government. Now, here in the United States, we've grown up understanding that. It's been the way this country has been since 1789 under the Constitution. And actually, it tried to function under the Articles of Confederation before that. Didn't do a very good job. But we think it's our right to stand up and tell those in authority how to do their work. That thought is completely foreign to the world of King Solomon. And by the way, that thought is still completely foreign to a lot of bosses at work. Amen? Especially yours, Stephen. Now, be quiet. Uh, that, that thought is there. Now, what Solomon is saying is, look at verse 5. Whoso keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil thing. You know what? Even Stalin didn't punish people for doing what he said. The, the simple truth is, it says, A wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment. You know what? There'll be a time in God's purpose if He wants to use you to be a counselor to give advice. There is a time to correct those in authority, but everything has to happen in the proper time and the proper judgment. And here's what the, the Bible is trying to teach us. The person that has wisdom can tell when that time is. He can discern it. That's why Solomon in the book of Proverbs says, a wise man keepeth it in till when? Does anybody remember the word? Afterwards. You say, how do you know it's afterwards? Well, that's the difference between the wise man and the unwise man. Amen? He knows when afterwards is and when it's time to say things. If you want protection, do right. Look at verse 6. We come into the main section of this chapter. Because to every purpose there is time and judgment. Therefore the misery of man is great upon him. Every purpose, everything you purpose to do in your life, is connected to these two things. Time and judgment. You better watch out because the wise man discerns that. We just got that. The wise man is going to follow the direction of the king. The wise man is going to do what is right. Of course, the foolish man isn't. And... Solomon kind of laments here, and he, of course, that is the theme of the book. But verse 7, he says, For he knoweth not that which shall be, and who can tell him when it shall be? Nobody knows what's going to happen, and nobody knows when it's going to happen. Therefore, you must be attached to these two things. Judgment, where does that come from? The Lord. Amen. It comes from His Word, true judgment. And we come here to verse, nine, uh, verse 8. 
it says, There is no man that hath power over the Spirit to retain the Spirit, neither hath he power in the day of death. And there is no discharge in that war, neither shall the wickedness deliver those that are given unto it. So, we start out with this purpose and ju- the time and judgment is tied to every purpose. No one's going to escape. Everyone's going to be judged by the Word of God. In fact, Jesus told the Pharisees, said, All judgments committed unto the Son. You think you're going to be afraid of Moses. Hey, wait a minute. I'm going to be the judge. And Jesus explained to them, and that's why they hated him so. You don't know. None of us know. And guess what? None of us know when we're going to die. And you're not going to make any deals with God. Give me another week. Hezekiah got 15 years because he prayed. But I think of what happened during that 15 years. Manasseh was 12 years old when Hezekiah died. The wickedest king that ever sat in the throne of Jerusalem was Hezekiah. I mean Manasseh. Hezekiah's son, born in that extra 15-year period. You know, I think we would just do better and apply this to the, the words of our King, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, let's, let's surrender our will to His rather than trying to get Him to do our will Nothing is going to deliver. The evil is not going to deliver the evil man. And we come here and he says in uh, uh, verse 9, All this have I seen and applied my heart to every work that is done under the sun. There is a time wherein one man ruleth over another to his own hurt. Do you get that? Sometimes we sit and we daydream. Boy, I wish I was in charge. If I was in charge, I get... Well, he says, well, wait a minute here. There's a time when the guy in charge hurts himself. How can that happen? Well, when authority is not used in a proper way, it is destructive, not only to those underneath, but to those on top. How many of you have seen... Someone in authority destroy themselves and just completely implode. Hey, uh, we have a we as people have a saying. We say a man is promoted to the level of his incompetence. Isn't that true? You do a good job, get a promotion. Do a good job, get a promotion. Do a lousy job, and that's where you stay for the rest of your life. They're not going to demote you, but they're not going to promote you if you can't handle that job. And listen, that's basically what Solomon is telling us here. You can rule over another to your own hurt. And then verse 10, And so I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of the holy, and they were forgotten in the city, where they had so done. This also is vanity. You know what? Nobody's remembered. Everybody is forgotten. Stop worrying 
about how people are going to remember you. We're going to get to the theme here toward the end of this chapter. Uh, Actually, it's in the middle of the next chapter here is to live. To live today. To enjoy what God has given you. You can live your entire life trying to plan your future. But you've got to remember something. A hundred years from now, who's going to even know our names when they look at our tombstones? Let's get our direction in the right path. Amen? And, of course, the reason this book is so negative is because that was Solomon's consuming thought. He had accomplished all of these things and he was going toward the end of his life and now he's going to have to turn it all over to his son, Rehoboam, whom he had great doubts and he was in despair. Uh, As we went through last week, he said, I can't find... One good woman in a thousand. I wonder why he picked the number a thousand. Uh, Because the Bible tells us that's how many wives he had. And uh, what a mess. When man gives himself to himself. And that's the despair that Solomon has found. And of course, once you get there, you can't go back to where you were. Verse 11 I wish we could get this one. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. To everything there's a time. To every purpose there is time and judgment. They're attached. But you know what? I've been on Rikers Island several times to visit people. I never have talked to anybody out there who said, yeah, I messed up. They caught me. I I hope I serve my sentence and get on with life. Never met a one. Every one of them said, yeah, it's not me. It was my friends. It was this. It was that. It was somebody else. I was just along. I got blamed for it. Hey, it takes months for a court case to go through. And everybody expects to get off. I mean, how many of you had a traffic ticket? Or a parking ticket? What do you want to do? I don't want to pay this thing. And here's the thing. Because justice is not carried out carefully and quickly... Everybody thinks they're going to get away with it. Guess what? That's the way it was in Solomon's day. That's the way it is today. In fact, that's the way it is wherever there's more than just enough people for one man to be in charge of. I mean, I would hope fathers in your family that the sentence against evil doing is executed quickly. Not the child, the sentence, all right? Uh, carried out uh, to teach our children that they need to do what they need to do. I, I like to say it this way. My dad taught me the meaning of two words, and I hope to impart that to each of my children. The meaning of the word no 
in the meaning of the word now. I think if you know those two words, you got quite an education. And you'll get, okay, you'll get along okay wherever you are. And the reason why we have so many problems in our society, you know, we have probably almost as many laws to protect the committers of the crime as we do those who are the victims of the crime. That's a scary place to be. And Solomon pegged it. He said, when you get that way, people are going to do what's wrong. And by the way, if you think you're getting away with it, look at verse 12. Though a sinner do evil a hundred times and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before him. But it shall not be well with the wicked, neither shall he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he feareth not before God. So, Solomon is saying here, in spite of all of these things, I want you to understand something. The fear of God is the best life path choice. You can get away with it. It looks like, and he's going to... Uh, go on here, he, he says that life doesn't always work the way we think it should. There is a vanity, verse 14, which is done on the earth, that there be just men unto whom it happeneth according to the work of the wicked. Again, there be wicked men to whom it happeneth according to the just. I mean, the work of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity. Then I commended mirth, because a man hath no better thing under the sun than to eat and to drink and to be merry, for that shall abide with him of his labor the days of his life, which God giveth him under the sun. Have you ever wondered why there's some truth to the statement, no good deed goes unpunished? Have you ever sat there and said, you know, this guy, he's getting away with it and, and, and everything is peace and prosperity and, and here I am trying to serve the Lord and every time I just get rained upon. Has anybody ever thought that way? Here's what Solomon is saying. Stop trying to figure everything out. Let's go back to the first theme. It's the authority of the king. You know what? Stop trying to explain to the king how to execute judgment. Stop trying to explain to God how to run the world in which we live. You don't have yesterday. You don't have tomorrow. And by the way, you have no idea what is going to happen when tomorrow gets here or how it's going to happen. You have some expectations and some hopes. We all do. But we have no idea. And we're not going to win the battle with, the, with death. When God sends, when God comes for your soul, guess where you're going? I've had people say, well, what about near-death experience? I said, eh, well, you just explained it. It was near Death. Some people have been an awful lot closer than they would ever like to imagine. But 
Let me tell you something. There's no such thing as a post-death experience. Because once you're there, you stay there. Uh, the only people that have ever broken that rule is Lazarus, Jairus' daughter, uh, Dorcas, several people that we have uh, mention of in the Bible. Uh, but once you die, that is it. And Solomon lets us know here in these last two verses, when I applied my heart to wisdom, verse 16, and to see the business that is done upon the earth, for there is neither day nor night seeth sleep with his eyes. Then I beheld all the work of God, that a man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun, because though a man labor to seek it out, yet he shall not find it. Yea, farther, though a wise man think to know it, yet shall he not be able to find it. Who is as the wise man? Who's as smart as I am? But you know something? I'm not as smart as God is. Unfortunately, Solomon was saying these true words with somewhat a lament. That he couldn't be as smart as God. That he couldn't figure it all out. He wanted to attain to all of these things, but he comes down to the bottom and he goes right back to the sub-theme of the book of Solomon. Eat your food today. Enjoy your life today. We've got a few verses here in chapter 9. We get to the middle of the chapter. The rest of the chapter is going to be devoted to this theme. And I want us to get there uh, uh in, in short order, verse uh, 1 of chapter 9, For all this I considered in my heart, even to declare all this, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. No man knoweth either love or hatred by all that is before them. All things come alike, uh, all things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good and to the clean, I'm sorry, to the good and to the clean and to the unclean, to him that sacrifices and to him that sacrificeth not. As is the good, so is the sinner, and he that sweareth, as he that feareth, feareth an oath. This is an evil among all things that are done under the sun, that there is one event unto all. Yea, also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil, and madness is in their heart while they live, and after that they go to the dead. For to him that is joined to all the living there is hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. I mean, don't you just love the way Solomon puts it there? A living dog is still better than a dead lion. Amen? I mean, a dog isn't going to do much compared to a lion. But uh, a dead lion, what are you going to do with seven or eight hundred pounds of dead lion? It's not going to help you. It's just going to slow down. I'll take one lassie over a dead lion every day. Amen? Uh, but here's... The thing is, Solomon is lamenting again death. It's going to happen. The sinner dies, the righteous man dies. 
and he's almost, and, and people get caught up in this thing of, of Solomon's despair, and they want to uh, equate the sinner with the righteous. Now, that's not what Solomon's doing. He's already told us the course of life is to live in the fear of the Lord. Amen. The, the best way to live is to fear God. The way to live is to take what God has given you today and enjoy it because death is coming. And don't be in such great expectation that you're going to have all of these incredible things. Because what would happen? I mean, just stop and think. What would you do if you got locked in a room with a living lion? Hello? Not something I want to have happen to me. How about you? I don't care if it is one of those tame things. I'll wait till the kingdom of God to pet my first lion. Amen? Uh, when he lies down beside the lamb, he says... You know, bad things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people. And if you want to waste your life trying to balance the scales and figure out where everybody ought to be, what you're basically doing is playing God. And that's what Solomon was doing and why he ended in despair. And we come down here for the... Um, the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything. Neither have they any more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love and their hatred and their envy is now perished. Neither have they any more portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. Now people have gone through this and tried to say that, well, Solomon's teaching that the soul sleeps uh, when you're dead, that you have uh, nothing to do. Uh, that you just stay in this comatose state until you're with God. But Jesus cleared that up pretty well. He said, God's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. But what Solomon is saying here is, no matter what you try to accomplish in your life, when you die, the book is sealed. You cannot alter it. And by the way, we already dealt with it in tonight that you don't know when God is going to call that card in. You don't know when He is going to say, it's enough. I'm done with you. Your life has ended. Aren't you glad God doesn't tell us all that? I knew a guy once, he said, if I just knew where I was going to die, I'd never go there. Doesn't matter. It won't work. So we come here to verse 7. And through the end of the chapter, go thy way, eat thy bread with joy. How many of you enjoyed supper tonight? How many of you are going to eat supper when you get home? Enjoy it. That's what it says. Eat your bread with joy. And of course, drink thy wine with a merry heart. Everybody thinks you're getting drunk. Alcohol is a depressant. Not a stimulant. Uh, that's not what it's all. It's about enjoying the riches of life. I mean, we don't have time to go through this, but 
Alcohol is not promoted in the Bible in any of its forms. It says, for God now accepteth thy works. Why does he accept our works? Whatsoever you do, do to the glory of God. That's how he accepts our works. And it's not just satisfying the body or trying to satisfy the body. Let thy garments be always white, meaning we don't need to put on the clothes of mourning. When we go to a funeral as Christians of a saved person, guess what? We don't have to be down in the mouth. We don't have to be. We're going to see that person again. Uh, I, I get a little frustrated sometimes. We go to funerals of, uh, of people who have served the Lord with all their life and there are these sad sack things where everybody gets up and cries. Now, I hope people miss me when I'm gone. But I'll tell you what. Let's start challenging people to serve the Lord. I mean, instead of preaching how great this person was, let's start preaching who's going to take their place. Amen? Remember Art Wilson's funeral. He was 92 or 3 when he died. I, I knew him and Mrs. Wilson especially. And... Uh, I went to the funeral and they said, now we want all the preachers that are here. This was in the church that he started uh, um, back in uh, the early 40s in Wichita, Kansas. And, and I said, all the preachers that were called. And I mean, there are just literally hundreds and hundreds of preachers called under his ministry. Twelve guys got up on the platform. Brother Richard Worsham was sitting beside me. And he goes, old Art outlived them all. He lived longer than most of the preachers that were called in his ministry. Hey, don't wear the garments of mourning. It says, let thy head lack no ointment. Those are the pleasures of life. Those are the things that God wants us to do. And it's not living for me, it's living for God. Let's go, it says, which he hath given thee under the sun, whether it be little or much, if God has given it to you, be thankful to him, for this is thy portion, it says, all the days of thy vanity. You know, we get wrapped up in how important we are. Solomon is saying, listen, no matter what you accomplish, it's nothing in the grand scale. Get your eyes off you, keep them on God, it says, For this is thy portion in this life, and in thy labor which thou takest out of under the sun. Whatsoever thy hand findeth do. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. Verse 9. How did I skip verse 9? Uh, we got halfway through it. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of the life of thy vanity which he hath given thee under the sun. All the days of thy vanity, for this is thy portion in this life and in thy labor which thou takest. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whether thou goest. You know what? We need to live. We need to stop mourning and going on and trying to 
figure out what everybody else is trying to do and why life isn't fair and take the portion that God has given us. You know what? There are some lives that are hampered by certain things. There are some decisions that were made before we were saved that might stop us uh, from doing certain things. There, none of us can do any. It can do everything. Let's take the lot that God has given us and rejoice in where we are and live for the Lord. And there is something to do. Do it with all thy might. Do it diligently. Do it to the best of your ability. Because there's just a lot of stuff you can't figure out. Look at, and that's the last few verses of this chapter. He says, And I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. You know, sometimes the strongest guy loses. I, I read this chapter and it talks about um, nor the battle to the strong. Uh, I always think of Napoleon at the Battle of Waterloo. You know, he should have won that battle. There was no excuse for him to lose that battle. But you know what happened? He had an attack of pleurisy and he couldn't think straight and he lost the battle. Time and chance happeneth to them all. Now, do we just throw up our hands and say, well, what will be, will be. What is that? Kesara, sara? Is that how you say that? I don't know. Uh, I get all those songs mixed up. But the simple truth of the matter is, God is in charge of time and judgment. Amen? Every purpose is attached to time and judgment. The wise man is able to discern those things. Where do we get wisdom? From God. How are we supposed to commit our lives to God? And when time and chance happeneth to us, guess what? We can still rejoice in God our Savior rather than despair over the inequities that we see and understand. Because when we look at life and we say, God, why aren't you fair? What have we just become? Why was Solomon so messed up? Because he, through his great wisdom that God had given him, was sitting in judgment of God. You know, a lot of Christians end up there. God didn't ask you to figure it out. He asked you to serve him today. Amen? I didn't get much of an amen. Let's try that again. God has asked you to serve him today. He goes through the story here in these last few verses of a, of a city. And a great king came against it in verse 14. 
and built bulwarks and besieged it. In verse 15, now there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city, yet no man remembered that same poor man. Then said I, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. Does that mean the poor man shouldn't have delivered the city? You know what? The poor man is still going to have to stand in judgment for God and he's going to be rewarded for the wisdom of his works whether anybody else takes notice or not. You see, Solomon is giving us a backwards admonition here. He is so in despair that his wisdom is going to be forgotten, that his name is going to be laid aside, that nobody's going to care about him, and vanity is vanity. It's all over when you die. Well, wait a minute. It's not all over because you need to serve God. Amen? It says, The words of the wise of wise men are heard in quiet more than the cry of him that ruleth among fools. I wonder if Solomon was thinking about his court when he said that. Because those same men came to Rehoboam after he had counseled with the old men of Solomon and told him all those wrong things that Rehoboam did to split the kingdom. You know, the fools always make a big noise. Be careful. But look at verse 17. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. But one sinner destroyeth much good. A lot of wisdom in these words. But the overriding theme of the book of Ecclesiastes was from the man who had more ability than any man that ever lived to figure it all out. He said, the more I figured out what was happening, the more in despair he got. He said, be not overwise. You can destroy yourself. Right? But if you'll take the day that the Lord has given you, the lot in life that has fallen unto you, you know what? You don't have to worry if nobody pays attention to you. If you're doing what God wants you to do, you can have that good life in the midst of a world that is full of wickedness. And that's how we're supposed to live. Remember, uh, Ted Monsor said one of the things that drew him to our church was, he said, your family, he said, it's like a little house on the prairie. He said, you know something? You can have a little house on the prairie in the big city if you'll just simply follow the path that God has laid out for you and stop trying to figure out why everybody else has it so good when you have it bad. Amen? Stop trying to figure out why the evil get away with it. Uh, time and judgment. The wise man discerned it. You're not getting away with it, my friend. God's got it on his record books, and unless it's expunged by the blood of Jesus, 
You're going to stand in judgment for it. And God will pass out the rewards and God will take care of His people. And all God's people say, Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You. We ask that we would not allow ourselves to be lulled into this sense of despair and vanity and realize that You have given us work to do that is valuable, that is so valuable that You've planned our lives and have given us what we need to serve You. We ask that You would encourage us out of these words of despair to stop trying to figure everything out and to live for God today. To work diligently despite what reward may or may not be there. To understand that we are to serve You. Lord, help us. As it seems, our government has just turned its back on You and Your Word and and embraced the most foolish and hurtful things. Lord, help us not to be found in an evil cause, but to simply serve You and to live in these days in Your grace and in Your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. We'll just have the piano play.